Hello everyone and welcome to this edition of the Views from the 573 Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well on this Wednesday afternoon. We got a lot to get to with uh, what's going on in the sports world. The NFL Draft, obviously me and Matt covered round one late last week on uh, on Friday as we talked through round one and talked about the picks there. This pod, we are going to be talking about everything after round one, so day two, which started shortly uh, after we posted the pod last week, and uh, talk about day three as well, where most of these rosters are truly built. So we'll talk about them and some of our winners and losers of this year's NFL draft. I'll also kind of talk about the 24 draft a little bit. Uh, so this may, the draft talk may be closer towards the end. But, I mean, they were already talking about the 24 draft on the broadcast. So, hey, listen, ESPN is doing that already. Uh, I guess I'll talk about that a little bit here uh, later on after we talk after we put a bow on 23. So, we'll talk about that. We will also talk about pretty much all the other sports, MLB, NBA, NHL. A couple big things going on in uh, all those sports. Of course, we are a month out of the start of the MLB season, so we'll see where things are. Couple surprises, including one surprise uh, for one Peter Lewis and his team. So we'll talk about that. The NHL, there's been a couple big things going on there as they head to round two. And the NBA, round two, with all game ones officially underway after last night's game one at Golden State between the Warriors and the Lakers. Also, I'll, I will touch on what's been surrounding my team here in a little bit. Uh, so we'll talk about all that stuff. Uh, again, really packed show to get a start off here on Wednesday. So thank you all for tuning in. It means so much for to me for making us a part of your day and uh, hanging out with us as we talk about what's going on in this wide world of sports. So without further ado, let's get underway and tease this what's going on in the mlb we talked about the mlb as we previewed it me and matt did about a month or so ago and uh there there's a couple big surprises and probably the biggest surprise is none other than peter lewis's own pittsburgh pirates you heard that right everybody this isn't an alternate timeline the pittsburgh pirates are 20 and 10 and had the best or tied for the best record in the National League with the Atlanta Braves. So, kind of striking to see that. It, it's usually, you know, you look at the NL Central, you know, the top and the bottom is kind of flip flop with at least one and five. Usually it's the Pirates on the bottom and the Cardinals are closer to the top. But uh, the, the Central, yeah, Pirates 20 and 10, uh, or seven and three in their last 10. And uh, they're off to a hot start. The Brewers, game and a half behind them, 18 and 11. Cubs, 15 and 14. Reds, 13 and 17. And the Cardinals, 10 and 20. Um, things not going well up in St. Louis. Uh, of course, they sent down Jordan Walker, who's not getting everyday playing time. Sent him down to AAA, which he wasn't there. Bypassed it altogether as he got the call to the majors, but is going down there to get some at-bats, but things just not going well for the Cardinals. Scoring-wise, pitching-wise, uh, they are not doing good. 
at all. In fact, I believe they're tied with the Rockies for the worst record in the National League. So none off to a great start in uh in their first month of the season. So that's the NL Central. The NL East, we already mentioned the Braves, twenty and ten. They're top of the East. Mets hanging around in second place at sixteen and thirteen with the Marlins at 16 and 14. I think we probably expect Phillies and Marlins to be flip-flopped. But Phillies, they're fourth, 15 and 16, so they're not too far behind. And the Nationals kind of expect this at 11 and 18 in the bottom of that division. Big news, though, for the Phillies. Bryce Harper is back. And so that's going to be a big jolt to the lineup and to that organization and getting player of his caliber back and ready to go and didn't miss a whole lot of time came back sooner i believe and so that's good news for the phillies fans as they now get bryce harper back and the nl west dodgers kind of expected 18 and 13 uh padres and diamondbacks are right behind them diamondbacks at 16 and 14 you know we talked about the diamondbacks matt kind of wondered about what diamondbacks team will see this year had a Said, said really good things about them and what they might do this season. So far, two games over 500. They're off to a good start. Padres, 16 and 15. Uh, Juan Soto, I believe, is still not doing well. I believe I heard his batting average the other day, and uh, it's not good. But they also got Fernando Tatis back here in the last few days. So we'll see if Soto gets on the right track. We'll see how Tatis uh, gets adjusted to really good Padres lineup that has a lot of big time hitters in there and how they adjust. Giants at 12 and 17, and then again, Rockies 10 and 20, pulling up the rear in the NL West. Moving on to the American League. Talking about them, let's start in the AL West. Rangers at 18 and 11. Kind of a surprise with how well the Rangers are playing. And, you know, looking at their, looking at the standings, their home record is a big part of that. 12 and 5 at home, just 6 and 6 on the road. So they like playing at home so far early in this season. And it's got them to the top of this division. Astros, 16 and 14. Uh, they're the opposite. 8-10 at home, 8-4 on the road. So we'll see if the Astros are going to get back to their winning ways. Angels, 16-14. You know, Matt, you know, your Angels are hovering right around 500, hovering two games over 500. So, hey, listen, you know, you know what you're going to get out of Atani and Trout. If you can just get more out of your other players, then uh, we'll see, but uh, they're currently tied for second place in that division. Mariners, 13 and 16, and then the Athletics, no surprise. Worst record in, a, in all of baseball, maybe the worst team in all of baseball with the worst roster, 6 and 24. It's about 200 winning percentage, and uh, yeah, they are they're not good. AL Central, Twins. On top of this division, the only team in this division to be over 500 as of now at 17 and 13. So not by much. 
Guardians, they're number two in this division at 14 and 16. Tigers coming in at 10 and 17. And then the two next teams with the two worst records are in this, this division. The White Sox coming in at 9 and 21. And the Royals at 7 and 23. So, you, you know, I think if you look at all of our teams, of course, I'm a Cardinals fan, Matt's an Angels fan, Rebecca's a Royals fan, and Peter's a Pirates fan. I think if you had said, you know, out of all of our teams, Peter's teams would be doing the best, I think we'd all kind of like, <laughs> no, no. Um, I also think we that the Cardinals probably wouldn't be in the spot. I dare say that we'd probably all think that. But so far, the Pirates are doing the best, so kind of wild. And then uh, looking at the AL East, and we talked about this division, and it's a packed division. And I'll start at the bottom here. Yankees at 16 and 15. Uh, every team in this division is over 500. Didn't expect to see the Yankees here in uh, last place. Probably thought the Red Sox would be here. But the Red Sox are 17 and 14. With the Blue Jays at 18 and 12. And the teams with the two best records in the American League. The Orioles and the Rays. The Orioles are 20 and 9. And I've got off to a really good start. And the Rays have been the hottest team, one of the hottest teams besides the Pirates, in all of baseball. With a record of 24 and 6, winning percentage at 800. And both records at home and on the road are really good. Road record is 9 and 4, but the home record is 15 and 2. 15 and 2. Uh, so Rays are off to a really amazing start here. To this season again, the Rays and Pirates have probably been the two biggest surprises in all of baseball. So, switching away from the MLB, we'll talk some more MLB in probably about a month and see where things are at and see if things change up or things stay the same. Let's go to the playoffs real quick. We'll touch on the NHL here real quick. Of course, Boston Bruins had the best record in the National Hockey League, and had one of the best records of all time and is going to stand out in history. But they go out in the first round, losing to the Florida Panthers in a seven-game series. And they were the wild card, too. The Panthers were, and, you know, all the regular season success, it didn't matter as they go out in the first round. And kind of a big story there with uh, the best team in all of hockey going out. And then the defending champion, Colorado Avalanche, go out in the first round to the Seattle Kraken, who's in their second season. And that... This is remarkable for a team in their second season. Of course, we remember the run that the Golden Knights of Vegas, we remember that run. That was years ago, really early in this pod. And their great run. So we'll see if the Kraken can get something like that going here in year two. But speaking of Vegas, they moved on. They're facing the Oilers in round number two. And... 
looking at these uh, the other matchups, Toronto, of course, the Maple Leafs, I've always heard of them as a team that hasn't been able to get over the hump for some time now. Well, they beat the Lightning in six games. The Lightning, of course, have been really an awesome team here the last several seasons here, uh, constantly getting deep into the playoffs and winning a couple Stanley Cups while they're at it. But they're done, and t- Toronto, they move on to the second round as uh, as they're down 1-0 in the series. Florida leads that series early on. And the Hurricanes being the Islanders 4-2 in that series. Both the New York teams go out in six and seven games as the Rangers lose to the New Jersey Devils in seven games. Awesome, probably an awesome environment there with Jersey and New York right there. So, a couple notable things happening in the Stanley Cup playoffs. The defending champs are out. The team with one of the best records in all of NHL history is out. Toronto finally moves on. Seattle, in their second year, are making a second-round appearance. So, a lot of interesting storylines going on in this year's NHL playoffs. And moving on to the NBA playoffs. You know, I just want to get this out the way. I just want to get this out the way before I move on and talk about any of the other stuff. Of course, my Grizzlies go out in six games to the Lakers in what was a sad way to go out. And they're still being talked about here. And we're already in the second round. We're two games into Denver and Phoenix. Two games into Miami, New York. We're going to be, today's May 3rd, we're going to be two games in the Sixers and Celtics tonight, and we're already, and we're a game into Warriors and Lakers. So, we're, it's still being talked about, and of course, a lot of it's been on Dylan Brooks, and uh, what's been going on with him, and poking the bear, and all that stuff. So, in talking about my team here, the, the X interviews, you know, they're, it's largely a lot of nothing, but it does sound like they are intense on saying, hey, let's change things up and let's get the pieces in here and let's get back to what we were doing a year or two ago. And, you know, being the type of team that talks, but not at the level they've been doing it at here recently. So I think that's good news coming our way. And of course, the whole Dylan thing has been brought up. And you got a tweet from Shams yesterday about the Grizzlies not bringing Dylan back under any circumstances. And the initial reaction, I think hot take reaction is, and not thinking about it, is that all Grizzlies freaking hit piece on Dylan Brooks and now you're seeing a lot of media pundits going with they're they're siding with Dylan now. <laughs> like a, a few days ago, you got people mad at him, pouring a honey on a picture of him, and now here they are defending the guy and slandering the organization. And listen, it's natural for a team to want to move on from a player that's 
going to be an unrestricted free agent. Maybe there's a better fit that they can find in a sign and trade or in free agency or in the draft or you know, whatever. And and just kind of taking it in the commentary in the last day or so on a, on this whole situation and learning that with the Grizzlies, with how they put out their information, usually it's through Woj. The organization puts things out through Woj. And normally for Shams, it's agents or players or something like that. So if you look at the context of that Shams tweet, you got to believe it's coming from an agent, whether it's Dylan's agent or somebody else. And we've also gotten reports that they've tried to talk with Dylan and, you know, he's declined extensions that they've offered him says he wants a bigger role which it wasn't going to happen so i think if you look at it the shams tweet did not come from the grizzlies organization because it doesn't make sense if you got a guy that's an unrestricted free agent that despite however you may feel his value dropped might have some level of value to somebody out there would the grizzlies really put that out there and really kind of destroy any leverage they would have in trying to maybe get a sign and trade done they really wouldn't put that out would they if you if you really start to think about it it doesn't make sense for them logistically and putting something like that out there on dylan knowing that there's a potential chance that they could get a little something for him. Maybe they've targeted the guy that they want to bring in to put in around Josh, Aaron, Dez, and everybody else. And maybe Dylan's a part of that. You know, I'm thinking, of course, you know, you look at the OG Anubi thing. They tried to go get him and a couple other guys at the deadline. And Dylan could make some sense there. He's a Canadian. Go back to Toronto. Go back up there. So it wouldn't make any sense for the Grizzlies to put that out. Because it would destroy any type of chance they have. And when you think about how they put stuff out. And that Shams is more connected to age and stuff like that. I think you got to think it's either coming from his camp or coming from somebody else or... Maybe it's a player or whoever. So, the discourse in the last 24 hours since this has been put out, it's just hot take city. And not thinking uh, logistically about, you know, everything. About who who's tweeting this out, who, who are these guys more connected to than others. And the Grizzlies whole situation... You know, I think it's just kind of funny how people have flip-flopped <laughs> from, like, you know, trashing the man to all of a sudden, like, they're on his side and, and talking about, oh, the Grizzlies are using him as a scapegoat. I think it's just funny how it's done a complete 180 from that to this. So, besides that, uh, another thing that's off-topic from the playoffs, uh, MVP was announced. Uh, Joel Embiid winning the award uh, last night with it being announced on TNT. 
and him receiving 73 first place votes with the Joker getting 15 and Giannis getting 12 with uh, Joker being the runner-up in this race and Giannis finishing third. Uh, Embiid has had a spectacular season. He's played the most games he's ever played in a regular season in his career. Averaging career highs across the board. Uh, averaging 33 points uh, this year with over 10 rebounds and four assists. Just been having a remarkable year uh, with this team. And really kind of pulled himself ahead a little bit late in the game, I would think, in uh, getting him this award. And he's the first Sixer to win the MVP since Iverson did it in 2001. So it's been over two decades since the Sixer has won the race. And, of course, the talk about Embiid is that he's a little bit hobbled up as of right now. He's missed the last few games. Rumors of a slight tear in forget which knee it was, but it's in one of them. But it sounds like he's going to be back on the court tonight for game three or game two tonight in Boston. So that's good news for Philly as they took game one without Embiid in Boston. And really kind of shocking display there at the end and how Philly won that. But they stole one on the road from Boston. Now Boston looks to get one back and head to Philly, try to take one there. But I think if you're Philly, you feel pretty good because you've done your job and you did it without your best player in a stealing home court. So we'll see what happens in game two tonight with Embiid back on the court. Sticking in the east, Heat and Knicks, that series is all tied up at one apiece. No Randall in the first game, and the Heat end up winning that one, and no Jimmy in the game last night, and Knicks end up winning that one. So we'll have to see if both these stars can be on the court for both these teams at the same time. But so far, it's been a pretty fun series so far. You know, the crowd in New York has been pretty good. And Jimmy, we'll have to see if he gets back from his rolled ankle, see if he gets good to go for these two games up in Miami. But again, Miami did what they were supposed to do, take game one and take home court. They only lose game two by six without a guy that's been really carrying them on his back in these last few games. They only lose by six. Good sign for the Heat, maybe not a good sign for the Knicks. As uh, we'll see what happens with the Heat and Knicks with that series shifting to Miami. Now going on to the West, of course, Denver, Phoenix, with KD, Booker, Aiden, and CP3 in that series, and the Joker and his supporting cast with Murray and MPJ. Denver has won the first two games of that series. And really big injury news. Chris Paul likely to be reevaluated in about a week. So now the Suns are really hurting because their de their depth is going to be really tested here, uh, as if it wasn't already. 
where you're really going to start to see the ball in Booker's and Katie's hands a lot more. And they got to play a lot of minutes uh, because of Phoenix, uh, because of their Phoenix's bench situation. So it's going to be tough. They got these next to at home, so that might help. But, you know, they unlike uh, what all these teams have done uh, so far in game one, were not able to steal game one in Denver, losing by 18, and then just not being able to get anything going. And it was a low-scoring game in today's standards, 97-87. And the Joker just ripping these guys apart. Aiden is not doing anything at all. But Joker's got, let's see, his averages in the series through two games, 31.5 points, 17.5 rebounds, five assists. I mean, Aiden is not doing anything uh, impactful against the Joker. And, I mean, that's why you can say he's won the MVP two times in a row. He was the runner-up this year. But Aiden just having a tough time handling the Joker. And then last night we got game one of Lakers-Warriors underway, which kind of crazy that we're all, that all these other teams have – gotten their two games in their series and we just had a game one of this series last night with the Lakers again stealing one at Golden State they are again besides the Phoenix Suns every team in the second round so far the road team stolen game one and they won 117 to 112 last night AD going Absolutely bananas. 30 points, 23 rebounds in that game, along with five assists. So, yeah, a monster game. And Steph, he's been on his usual stuff. You know, he had a 50-point game against the Kings, which, you know, shout-out to the Kings and making it to the postseason and playing it really fun seven game series against Golden State. And hey, Steph just had a magical performance. I, I don't know what else he can say about that. So shout out to them. Um but Golden State losing one at home uh with if you're Golden State really kind of discouraging because of how well you've been at home this year and how not so great you've been on the road. But granted they did win a game seven on the road, but hey, they've been in that environment before where they've had those type of games. But they got to get game two for sure, and then we'll see what happens in LA. But man, the Lakers seem to kind of prove me wrong here. And I was reading a tweet, and it said, you know, it's probably not the best supporting cast LeBron has ever had. But they're playing the best any cast around him has ever played right now. Um, if you look at everybody that's playing, AD is putting it work. Reeves, they're putting so much trust into him. You got D'Lo, you know, every now and then he'll have a game where he, it's an absolute stinker. But uh, he's been doing well. But uh, this cast has been playing pretty well here so far in the postseason. And uh, we'll see if that carries on into the rest of this series with game number two. 
being tomorrow night. So we'll see what happens in game two. See if Golden State evens it up or if the Lakers take a 2-0 series lead back to Los Angeles. So that will do it for some NBA playoff talk. And let's go on over to the NFL because we got a lot to talk about here with the NFL draft. And uh, again, we've already talked about day one here a little bit. Again, really thought the Eagles knocked out the park getting two more Georgia guys. And uh, they weren't done with that in day two or three. But they really did well in round one again. Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith in the bottom of round one. But looking at day two and day three of the draft. Of course, we got Pittsburgh leading us off here in round two and was pretty much the most obvious pick me and Matt talked about here with Pittsburgh. Of course, going with Joey Porter Jr., corner from Penn State, just made sense. They had a need at corner and plus, I mean, legacy. So he goes at the top of round two and uh, pick 32. Again, stupid Dolphins wanting to flirt with Brady. But then round two got a start off with a trade with the Titans trading up to the Cardinals and trading all the way up from 41 to 33. And thinking back to the capital that was traded, I believe there is a third round pick swap in which Cardinals and Titans swap picks. And then the Titans traded a 2024 third round pick to the Cardinals as well. So, of course, there's history there with uh, Monty Ozenfort. I think I, I got the last name memorized there um, with him being former member of that front office and him going to Arizona, so made sense. But Titans straight up and take Will Levis. One thing I will agree with, decent value here, getting him at the top of round two. Uh, fell all the way, kind of a, the, really the surprise of night one of the draft was him falling and them constantly going back to the green room and showing him. I will say this. there There's a lot to be excited about, but I've seen this type of player before for the Titans. This is just me. I kind of feel like it's another Jake Locker. Now, listen, if you got a Jake Locker type player in round two compared to where you got him in round one, I mean, awesome value. Um, I just don't know. I'm not completely sold. If I'm being honest, I would have loved the trade up to be for one of the two tight ends because if you look at the two picks after Levis, you had Sam Laporte go to Detroit at 34. And then Michael Mayer go to the Raiders at 35, which I really like that pick by the Raiders. Of course, they needed a tight end after trading Waller. Foster Monroe is going through his health battles and hoping that he gets through them. And so Raiders need a tight end. Like if this guy has the full package as a tight end, and now they're putting him in that offense with Renfro and Adams, and you got Jimmy G at QB, and you got Jacobs coming back. So, Really nice pick there. 
So I would have gone for one of those tight ends. If I'm being honest, and I might have said this during me and Matt and kind of previewing round two, I would have gone for tight end, wide receiver, or wide receiver tight end. You know, the, you know whoever they like, if they're still on the board in round two or three, take them. Uh, get more weapons there. And, you know, they did that. They got a tight end and wide receiver just a whole lot later than they should have, if I'm being honest. Um, and, you know, just wait to next year, I think, for a quarterback. But I, they like Levis, and maybe there's a little bit of Tannehill in there, in which, I mean, I, I, I don't really know. But I will, I, I'll tell you this. When the pick happened, I was not happy about it. I'm honestly still not happy about it. Because, again, tight end class is pretty good. It, it, Wiley, you know, with all these guys, they test out really well. I like these tight ends better than him. You know, that's who I would have made the trade up to go get, one of these tight ends. You know, if I had the trade up to get a quarterback, I'm sorry, it's my guy from UT. It's not this guy. It's like, Ryan, that's a UT bias. Yes, it is, but also, I'm seeing the guy put up really great numbers, and you can say whatever you want about the offense. Like, I don't really care. You know, he put up numbers, and maybe you can make the argument that he put up better numbers in both those years than Levis did in his two years at Kentucky. Now, granted, 2022... It was kind of a setback for Kentucky. Offensive line was not that great. Weapons were gone from the year before. So I get that. So he's going to work with that pretty well in uh in Nashville with uh, a <laughs> lack of weapons and just a so-so offensive line. Now, they did use it on another pick, uh, Jalen Duncan, who tested it out really well. But, uh, I mean... Listen, I was just, I'm feeling lackluster about the Titans draft. I'm not saying they're uh, are they a loser. I don't know. Um, I've seen a lot of other people favor their draft, but I I don't know. As you can tell, I'm just kind of like meh about it. Um, so that was kind of the lead off for round two, and of course we saw a lot of players that we talked about on Friday get drafted here. Uh, Brian Branch goes to the Lions. Really like that pick for him. Julius Brantz goes to the Colts. They have a corner need. I really like that pick. And round two, Seahawks go with Zach Charbonnet to pair him along with Kenneth Walker. Curious to see how that's going to work. And, you know, there was a run on tight ends because if you look at round two, he had one, two, three, four, five tight ends taken in round two. So the run on tight ends happened pretty quickly. Uh, Osiris Torrance, like that pick for the Bills, and beefing up the interior of that offensive line. And Matt's favorite player, or one of his favorite players at wide receiver, Marvin Mims, being the last pick of round two and heading to the Denver Broncos. And looking at round number three, you know... I'm looking at this Titans pick again in round three with uh, 
Tajay Spears. Of course, I remember he tore up USC in that bowl game. And you know what? You won't have to worry about him tearing an ACL because he doesn't have any. He doesn't got one. Um, so it might not be a long career, but I mean, I guess if you're taking a look at the lifespan of a running back in the league now, it doesn't really matter, but we'll see. We'll see if this is the pick they were hoping they were getting with Darrington Evans a couple years ago. My goodness. Um, round three. Of course, I got a lot to say about round three. Um, Eagles getting Tyler Steen, good value there from Bama. Drew Sanders going to Denver. Really like that pick. And then Detroit trading up to select Hendon Hooker in the top of round three. And I was really kind of wondering, because he had Detroit not that far away. He had the Rams not that far away. Like, is somebody going to take him? And Detroit went and took him at 68. And I love it. He's not going to get the start right away, but he doesn't need to. So, if you're Detroit, you're hopeful. You just got your future starting quarterback here at 68. And with Goff's contract, I believe you can get out of it next year. So, if you like what you've seen out of Hendon, done well in practice, gets a handle on the playbook really quickly, I think you can say, like, let's make the change. Let's get something for Goff or let's get rid of him. Let's go with the younger option here. And then maybe try to use some of that money that you could have paid golf and use that to fill other needs. So I'm really happy for him going to Detroit and a team that really excelled last year and see what, uh, see what happens there as his career gets started. But there's a run on Vols here within pick, from picks 68 to pick where uh, pick 77 and nine picks. You had four Tennessee players taken. Uh, second one uh, off the board in the third round. Jalen Hyatt, the Bolitnikoff winner himself, going to the Giants. Listen, Giants need receiver help. They do have a lot of smaller receivers, but this guy's a playmaker. He's got speed for days, and hopefully he can help out that Giants offense in stretching things out uh, for Daniel Jones. So we'll see what happens there. But I think it's great he's going to play in an offense that, you know, he, the pressure's not going to be on him. There's Saquon. He's still there. There's a couple other players still there at receiver. And Dayball, I'm really excited to see how he utilizes him. Next one up. Cedric Tillman at 74 going to Cleveland. Makes sense. Jimmy Haslam, Brown's owner. Makes sense. Brown's also have a need receiver. And also, Tillman's one of the true X receivers. And I can make the argument that if he doesn't get hurt, probably, probably takes away from Jalen's sets a little bit. But I think you can make the argument he would have been the top receiver taken out of the two and would have been taken a little bit earlier if he hadn't gotten hurt because... I guess this is me still being salty about Levis because, oh, his 21 was great. Well, you know, Tillman's 21 was great too. In fact, it included a performance where I forget which game it was, but he had a 200-yard-plus game and went well over 100 yards 
and a couple touchdowns against Bama and Georgia. I forget which. Uh, I'd had to go and pull up those games, but against the Georgia defense that was at, at, in 21, some are saying one of the best defenses college football has ever seen. I mean, <laughs> I don't think you can disagree with that considering how the last two drafts have gone. But I think if he had stayed healthy, he probably would have been selected higher than uh than Hyatt. But he goes to Cleveland, and then Byron Young. I'll, I'll tell you this: I can't tell you how many times they told his story about you know him working at Dollar General and you know him getting to the game a little bit late in junior college and his, him getting his way to Tennessee a little bit late too. He's twenty five years old. They told that story so many times. It was like, I know the story, but uh, he goes to the Rams here, needs some pass rushing juice, so I'm excited for him. And I'm uh, going to play for the Rams and play with the defense that features Aaron Donald. <laughs> Sign me up for that any day of the week. So five balls there, or four balls there selected in round three, and five selected in total within the first 75 picks. So not too bad for a program that's trying to get back to being one of the best ones in the country. But uh, looking at some of these other picks in round number three, yeah, another tight end go off the board, Tucker Kraft, second tight end that Green Bay took besides Musgroves. So they got a couple tight ends there. And they also got a couple wide receivers there. They got... Wicks from Virginia. And then I'm trying to think who else they got. But they really hit home on getting weapons for their quarterback, which if you're Aaron Rodgers, you're, you're probably like, you couldn't have done this for me when I was here. But uh, Packers really addressing that thing really that really needs to be addressed is getting love some weapons to go and really help them the best you can. So Packers are really going and all out and getting him some weapons. So here we go. Um, Jane Reed at wide receiver, get him. So we'll see how this all works out for the Packers. And also a notable thing for the Packers took Sean Clifford. I told when I told Peter that it was like, oh, that's so embarrassing. And round five, too. So uh kind of shocking there. <laughs> um, but that happened. So let's just take a look at some of these more notable drafts here that we have. And you know, I think let's start with the easy winner. And I think that is Philly. Um, of course. In day three, making a trade for DeAndre Swift, another Georgia player, but uh, getting him after the Lions. Of course, signing David Montgomery in free agency, drafting Jameer Gibbs in round one. Probably expected. So they add him here. I think you look at the Eagles draft. Jalen Carter, getting him after he fell. If he gets all his situations sort of... Sort out. Home run at pick nine. Nolan Smith talked about a little bit in our draft preview. 
he was able to go to Philly. He can learn from Son Riddick. Similar, you know, smaller types of edge rushers there can really help out. Tyler Steen can is a versatile prospect that can play tackle or guard, and can really help out depending on what happens with Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey in the future. You presume those two, particularly Kelsey, they're getting out the door here pretty soon here. So solid pick getting some help in that defensive backfield with Sidney Brown from Illinois and Keely Ringo, another Georgia player who, yes, they re-signed Slay and Bradbury, but they are in their 30s, so you don't know how much longer. But if you can hit on Ringo, that's really great value there in the fourth round. And again, Tanner McKee and Moro Ojimbo from Texas, defensive tackle. But this is a really awesome draft from Philly. They are... A huge winner of this draft. And, you know, I think let's talk about each of our team's drafts. So, as far as Peter Steelers, pretty good draft, all things considered. Picked a really good player, selecting and trading up for Broderick Jones to help out your young quarterback, get Joey Porter Jr. and top round two. Keanu Benson really help out the front of that defensive line and adding some beef up front. All three of those guys could potentially be starters in week one. And then you get Darnell Washington, who who really dropped in the third round at pick 93. And if all things are checked out for him health-wise, Good compliment to Fryermuth. And it, you get more blocking in the run game. So Najee Harris has got to be like, yes. <laughs> you got to be excited about that. And Nick Herbig, the pass rusher from Wisconsin, he's a bit undersized. But, hey, Pittsburgh, they have a way of getting these really good pass rushers that really excel. So that's probably a good pick for them. Uh, talking about the host team in Kansas City, so Rebecca's team here, and you know they had a good time in in the draft. And you know Matt spent day one there. We talked about that in the last pod, but he and Rebecca got to spend some time there on day three, have some fun there with all the stuff going on there. Uh, but Kansas City's draft, uh, of course, selecting a new DK Uzama in round one. Rasheed Rice in round two, Wanya Morris in round three, Shamari Corner in round four, B.J. Thompson in round five. So they go back-to-back safeties there. They they get some more defensive back health. And, you know, they really got a lot of young defensive backs from last year too, so they're adding even more to that. Uh, as far as Kinsey's draft is concerned, hey, listen, they needed a pass rusher, really like the pick after getting George Karlofidis last year. Pairing with him, we'll see how that goes. Uh, we'll see how she Rice has to, has to do, but it sounded like Mahomes really liked that pickup and uh, was hoping they'd get him, and so that's what they do. And you got a receiver room now that he's got to work through with Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, MVS, Justin Watson, Richie James, and Justin Ross. So let's see how he does. 
Uh, Wayne Morris, solid pick on the offense line. We'll see his if he can make an impact there, particularly at right tackle, since there's a need there. But listen, solid class, nothing too flashy there um, from the defending champs. Uh, Matt's Ravens. Matt would probably say they won because, hey, re-signed Lamar Jackson, so you do that. A-plus. Uh, taking St. Flowers in round one. One really big fan of that, but hopes that like he excels. So get a receiver there in round one. Round three, didn't have a pick in round two. Trent Simpson, the linebacker out of Clemson. Makes a little bit of sense there with them declining Patrick Queen's fifth-year option. So that pick makes a lot of sense there. Get a linebacker that's really athletic that can go sideline to sideline. Caillou Blue Kelly, the speedy corner out of Stanford. They need some help there. And they get some help. Andrew Voorhees, who fell to his ACL injury in the seventh round. So I really like that pick from the Ravens. Seems like a Ravens type of pick there. And they get him in round seven. But, uh, you know, really really good draft here for the Ravens, I, I think. Um, so I think if there's any takeaway so far, I don't feel great about the Titans draft. Peter Steelers did pretty well. The Chiefs are the Chiefs. So, hey, listen, they're fine. <laughs> they got number 15 at quarterback. And then Matt's Ravens, hey, you can get Lamar Jackson to a new deal. Make some pretty good draft picks. You know, Ravens have a strategy of, hey, just draft really good players. <laughs> I mean, that's essentially what Philly did this year. But uh, as far as my team goes, I mean, I just, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. It's going to be another year of Nick Westbrook-Akine being receiver number two. Whoopee. So that'll be fun. Uh, I hate this franchise. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty high on the Steelers and the Ravens. And, shoot, I like the Chiefs draft a little bit more than Titans. That might be due to the fact of Will Levis, but, yeah, it's whatever. Um, talking about a team that did really good this uh, in this draft, I think is a pretty clear winner. Seattle, uh, they really did well in round one. We talked about that with Devonta Witherspoon and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Then in day two, they add Derek Hall, the edge rusher from Auburn, to really help out in getting after the quarterback. So they get some help there. Take Charbonnet there also in round two. So we'll have to see. Probably too early of a pick there. But it could be a nice combination with Walker and Charbonnet and a one-two punch there. And they also get another edge rusher and get some more defensive line help. And Cameron Young and Mike Morris in round four and five. Get some offensive line help with Anthony Bradford from LSU and Olu Oluwotimi from Michigan guard center to really help out the interior of the offensive line. Just a really good class here for Seattle. They knocked out the park last year. I think they did really well in this one this year, getting getting really good value 
in the later rounds for some of these players. And you could potentially see all these guys seeing the field here for Seattle sooner rather than later. Of course, first two picks, obvious, but Hall should see it as a situational pass rusher. Charbonnet should see it as a one-two punch with Walker. And we'll see with Oluwutimi and Bradford, they get on the field with uh, in the interior of the offense line with, of course, them taking those two young tackles last year. But overall, really solid draft here from Seattle. Really like what they did in uh, getting things going. Let's see if there's any other drafts out here that I really like. Uh, you know, Chicago. No, go up to Chicago land for Peter. Uh, Chicago, really good draft. Uh, not just because they took a Tennessee player top 10, but uh, because of how they filled out the rest of this class. Really, it really added some beef on the defensive line with Javon Dexter and Zach Pickens in round two and round three. Get nice young corner and Tyreek Stevenson to add to an already young group with Kyler Gordon, Jalen Johnson, Kendall Vildor, and Jalen Jones. So you add him to that group, and you got a nice young up-and-coming group of corners. Rashawn Johnson, the running back from Texas. Really like that pickup from him for, for the Bears. Really versatile running back who can catch the ball in the backfield. Good pass protector, so that's good if you're going to be playing alongside Justin Fields. That's good. Also getting Tyler Scott in round number four, where they did good value there. Is a, it's a speedster, can add some speed to that receiver room. And also can make some plays after the catch. Get Noah Sewell, the brother of Panay Sewell, to add to that linebacker room. Overall, they just really had a really good draft here. If you're a Chicago fan, you got to be feeling... Pretty good about the players that you added this past weekend and uh, and trying to build things up. For the Cardinals, I would say this is a, a win based on what you got for next year because if you look at this draft for them, yes, they added a lot of pieces that are going to be a solid foundation for the upcoming years. But I think where they really won is where they got all these draft picks for the next several years. Now, to me, it was a shock to find out after uh, me and Matt's discussion of round one that the pick that Houston traded to move up was, in fact, theirs from next year and not Cleveland's. So when I start looking at 2024 mocks, I'm like, hold up, why is Arizona like, did Houston trade their own first-round pick? Like, that's a really big price to pay. You know, if it was Cleveland's pick, it was like, okay, makes sense. But they trade their own next year. And Houston will probably not be good next year. So that's kind of a little bit of a tease for 2024. But they get two first-round picks next year. They pick up four extra third-rounders in the next couple years fourth rounder and a fifth rounder so i believe next year they got five six picks in the first three rounds <laughs> hey if you need a retool roster this is the way to do it and 
getting all those picks and, you know, quantity of picks will help, but the quality of those picks and where they're potentially drafting is going to be huge for them. So I, I say Arizona just won based off of what they got for the future and what they potentially got going. As far as any other winners, I have to look, you know, Detroit actually had a pretty solid draft with what they got. I think, you know, if you swapped a couple of their picks and where they took them, I think a lot of people would like this draft a lot more. It's probably just, you know, where they took them. So, like, if say, hey, they took Branch in the first round, Gibbs in the second round, and maybe, you know, Campbell and Laporta, whichever. You know, I think if you said, hey, those are their first four picks, I think you're like, oh, well, that's a home run for Detroit. I think it's just about which order they took them in and uh, the value they got at each of those picks. Well, overall, like that draft from the Lions, Packers actually did pretty good. Again, going back to them, getting some weapons for their young quarterback. And, uh, I mean, my goodness, I'm looking at how many picks they had. They had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 picks. Uh, they also got a third receiver and Grant DeBose from Charlotte in uh, round 7. So they really attacked the drafts here with 13 picks. Couple more notable things. Uh, you know, uh, just got reminded of another team's draft. Uh, Patriots took a freaking kicker and punter in, uh, in their draft. And uh, Chad Ryland from Maryland and Bryce Barringer from Michigan State. So Patriots did that. But honestly, Patriots had a pretty solid draft uh, with Christian Gonzalez in round one, Keon White round two. Really got some guys to help out up front with Jacob Andrews, City So, and Antonio Maffi. Three interior linemen to see if they can help out. They take a chance in Keishon Butte in round six and see if that works out. Because if that does, that just really elevates their draft. Indy had a pretty good draft. If you look at what all they did. Of course, Anthony Richardson up top of round one. And then just getting really good value in later spots. Uh, they got some really good corners, long corners, and Julius Brents and Darius Rush. So a couple big-time corners that help out there in that room. Josh Downs, wide receiver from North Carolina. Get Richardson a slot receiver that he can work with in the future. And Blake Freeland, the tackle out of BYU, big tackle, so probably be on left tackle. Um, I don't want to try this name because I know I'm going to butcher it. Um, but the versatile defensive lineman out of Northwestern. Um, yeah, I'm just not even going to try it. Uh, the, the guy that ran a four four at 282 pounds him <laughs> um yeah I, i'm just not going to even attempt to try it but indy i think had a pretty good draft as far as teams having kind of like eh, drafts i mean I'm, of course i'm gonna throw my titans in there because because i still don't know how i feel about it uh you may throw the 49ers in there. They took a kicker really early. Pick 99. Um, so, probably throw them in there. 
uh, Washington. Trying to throw them in there. They did really help out their secondary with their first two picks. Um, of course, Forbes, the thing with him is that he is 166 pounds. Um, but, you know, it's just, you know, things are not good with the commander's organization as of right now. Um, maybe say the Rams, maybe did. I don't know. Steve Avila, the guard from TCU. I actually like that pick. You know, he did pretty well holding his own against that Georgia front in the championship game. Uh, speaking of which, Stetson Bennett, round four, kind of shocking. Um, but, you know, kind of a man draft. Um, now let's see who else. I mean, I wouldn't say Houston is a loser. I mean, they, uh, one thing they did lose at is trading their own first round pick next year when they're probably going to suck. Um, but I guess that is the price you pay if you want CJ Stroud or Will Anderson. Uh, which they did. So we'll see how that works out. Take a couple of receivers here in Xavier Hutchinson and Tank Dell. But I think as far as... Okay, um, Cowboys probably had a man draft, but they probably had the best moment in which Deuce Vaughn goes in round six and his dad got to draft him. And you got that awesome clip of his dad calling him and saying, hey, you want to come work with me next week? Uh, that's just that's just perfect. That's an awesome moment. So Cowboys probably not one of the better drafts, but they definitely I I think they had one of the best moments coming out of this weekend uh, with that moment. So I think other than that, those are some of uh, my thoughts on who won and lost this weekend. But uh, you know I said this at, at top. Let's talk about twenty four real quick. Cardinals. This is the reason why they won here in uh, 23 because they got the potential to have the top two picks next year. And if you're looking at next year's draft, it's really kind of funny because you know who some of the top guys are going to be, at least you think you do. And, you know, we've had this discussion before. Things can change within the year particularly at the quarterback position where one can just skyrocket out of nowhere. Um, look at Zach Wilson. And, and you've seen how that's worked out in the NFL level. But uh, I think you've got a really good idea of who quarterback one is. Caleb Williams. Pretty sure quarterback two is Drake May, not too far behind. Really good idea of who wide receiver one is, Marvin Harrison Jr., Really good idea of who the first Titan off the board is with Brock Bowers. Edge, Dallas Turner from Bama, another Bama edge rusher. Corner, Kool-Aid McKinstry, a corner from Bama. And then tackle with Joe Alt, the tackle from Notre Dame. And then you also got the tackle from Penn State who you know who could have been in this draft. It probably would have been a top pick in this draft, but decided to come back in Olu Fashanu. So if you think about it, you got your quarterback one. You got your receiver one, tight end one. 
your edge one, your corner one. And you definitely got your quarterback two. And then you got your number one offensive tackle and number two offensive tackle. So there's at least kind of eight guys where you can like, okay, I can, you can see the vision as the kids say, and uh, see like, okay, this guy, clear quarterback one, clear wide receiver one. So it's kind of an interesting draft when you take a look at it from that perspective. But also, if you're Arizona, let's just say they, Arizona has the worst record, Houston has the worst, second worst record. Or, you know, vice versa. It doesn't really matter. You could say if all things stayed the same with those guys, Arizona had the chance to take Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. The easiest draft picks they could possibly have. Harrison's one of the best receiver prospects projected to come out in a long time. Caleb's there's a lot of projection on him as being one of the top quarterback prospects we've had in a few years. Now, of course, Arizona has got the Kyler Murray contract to deal with and what they decide to do with that. But I think if you're feeling Kyler's not the guy and this front office did not draft Kyler, but there's also a lot of financial stuff you got to keep in mind with that contract. I think you move off him, and you take the young quarterback, and then next pick, get him wide receiver one here in Marvin Harrison Jr. So if you think about it, for the Arizona Cardinals, if that happens, in the past two drafts, you would take three top players at three premium positions at – Quarterback, receiver, and left tackle. With, of course, Paris Johnson being their pick this year. And then, again, if you look at how much draft capital they have, they can move around so much to where if there's somebody they like falling next year in round one, they have the capital to say, hey, let's move up and let's go grab them. They got so much from all the moves they made. And so they had the potential next year to really knock the draft out of the park and uh, taking those two guys. And, you know, you never know. Maybe Drake May overtakes Caleb next year as quarterback one. And as far as wide receivers, I don't know if anybody's going to top Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, So 24 is already looking like a really good draft at the top. You already know who some of the top players at those positions are going to be. Particularly at quarterback, particularly at left tackle, and particularly at wide receiver. Edge, maybe you can throw Jared Verse in there from Florida State. He had a chance to go in this draft, decide to come back. But it's already looking like a, a, at least a better draft, just looking at it, than uh, than this year. But, I mean, we were probably saying this about the 23 draft at this time last year, right? That's usually how these things go. But, uh, anyway, interesting to look at next year's class and kind of 
diagnose it a year early. I mean, again, they're already doing it, so I guess why not us over here on uh, on this pod? So, yeah, 24 is already looking really interesting and wondering if uh, my team's going to have a part to play in that. We'll have to see. But that'll put a bow on this week's show, everybody. Thank you all so much for tuning in wherever and however you may have tuned in. Again, means so much that you made us part of your day and took some time out of it to hang out with us. Be sure to go check us out wherever you guys get your podcasts, whether Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Give us a follow over there, rating review to keep up with what's going on over here. Follow us on Twitter at 573pods and check out the entertainment channel on all those platforms as well. Speaking of entertainment, tomorrow, the Star Wars draft on May the 4th. It's going to be dropping pretty early in the morning tomorrow. At least that's what I have it scheduled to come out uh, to be. So be on the lookout for that on social media and all those podcasting platforms. As we, uh, as me, Matt, Rebecca, and Peter sit back for two hours plus and draft Star Wars characters uh, on Star Wars Day, no less. So be on the lookout for that. But that is all I have for you all this week. Ryan McDaniel here saying, hope you all have a good rest of your day. Have a good week, and we'll talk to you all next time.